Okay, you may have seen this chessboard up here. Anybody really like chess? Uh, I know. Okay. Dang it. <coughs> so much this for this illustration. Okay. In chess, there's all sorts of pieces, right? You got eight pawns, two rooks, two knights, two bishops, king and a queen. But there's one piece you got to make sure you keep your eye on and you protect at all costs. Guess what piece that is? The king. Okay? So you can do all sorts of fancy fun moves. You can have all sorts of fun strategies, but if you lose sight of the king and this king gets threatened and eventually, you know, they call it, they put him in check, he's threatened, and if he can't move out of checks that you end up taking him, that's called a checkmate. So if the king is threatened, you've got to get him out of the way. And if he's taken, that's the end of the game. You can lose any other piece on the board, and you can still win. If you lose this one piece, you lose. So at the heart of chess is, the heart of chess is keeping an eye on your king, protecting your king, looking for threats that may develop. It's not losing sight of the king. That's just everything else. You can, you can have all sorts of strategies. You can sacrifice different pieces. You can do all sorts of funky, whatever, creative as you want to be. But if you don't keep your eye on the king, you're going to lose. That, that, that's chess in a nutshell. Different pieces have different moves, different stuff. I have a friend that I actually play. I'm starting to get back into chess. I played, my dad taught me how to play chess when I was young, and we would play some. And, and then I played a little bit when I was younger. And, um, and I haven't played in a long time, and I was at a conference and played with a friend um, named, named Austin, and we played, and we had some really good games. It was actually fun. So my competitive juices got going. And so, so now, like, once every month or every two months, we get together and we have lunch and catch up and how's life, how's everything going, and then we play a game of chess. So I bring my, sometimes we go to Milo's, sometimes we go to wherever, and we bring the chessboard. Last time we went to Zaxby's. Yeah, you got to know it. Two, you, gotta, you always got to get that extra Zaxby's sauce, you know, just to get enough for that chicken to dip in there. And so, so we, we talk, catch up, we have our meal, and then we get our free refills, and, and we play chess. Now, now, what I haven't confessed, and, and, and we also, now, I, I ask Austin always for his recommendations on books, because he, he actually researches and, you know, he knows books, so I always, I, I, I draw from him on stuff. Um, but I haven't confessed to Austin yet that I've really been trying to improve my chess game. I actually made a little account with chess.com, and I placed tactics, and I've played some people, so I'm actually working on my chess game. I actually am because I want to get better. So, 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 so when I talk to some folks today, they say, what are you working on? I'm like, well, probably chess, if I'm honest. Um, because I want, to improve, I want to improve my chess game. Um, and so, so today we're, we're going to talk about a concept. And I, I'm going to use chess as an illustration in several points in the sermon today. But I want us to start with just the concept of the king. That if you're going to succeed in chess, you've got to make sure you know threats that are developing threats that are existing, and you've got to protect this king. Because all else that you do, if you fail to do that one thing, if you lose sight of the king and what's going on with the king, then you lose the game. And what I want to, I want to draw that, just that little image about our spiritual walks. It's interesting, in our lives, we can get involved in lots of things. We can get involved in lots of things, that, lots of things that grab our attention in our lives. I mean, we have lots of fantastic things. 
I mean, like, a pawn's pretty cool. It can jump two spaces. That's a great little move called en passant, French speaking. You know, it, like you can take at an angle. And there's all sorts of neat things you can do here that are fun. In our lives, we have all sorts of things that we can do. We have family. We have work. All these things that God actually designed for us. Thing, things things that, are, that, that, are, that are positive and good. But sometimes, <clears throat> if we lose sight of God in the midst of it, if we don't let God be the, the, the focus or the center, then some of those things can get out of whack and we can end up find ourselves in a place we don't want to be. So today what we're going to talk about, we're talking about is how do we keep God our focus? What does it look like when God is our focus? And, and, and so the, the main point, and we're in this series called No Less Than Christ, we're walking through the book of Colossians, and where we've been talking about each week, we've been saying, you know, we want to understand who Christ is. We don't, understand, we don't want to understand him for any less than who he is. So no less than Christ, we want to really understand who Christ really is, and we want to think of no less than Christ as we don't want to settle for anything less. We don't want to invest our lives and devote our lives to something less than in Christ. And so today is going to be emphasizing that second element of no less than Christ, the sense of that we're going to put our focus, our attention, our pursuit on Christ. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And our main point for today is this. It's simple. It says, we, our focus is on Christ. And actually, as we do that, we're going to see some things happen in our lives. It'll sort of affirm that we're doing it. Um, and even some things that we need to pursue to sort of reflect our pursuit of Christ. That we're actually going to suffer for him. We're going to proclaim him. And we're going to grow in him. Those things are going to take place as we have a focus on Christ. The passage we're going to look at in Colossians 1 today, it's an interesting passage. Paul is transitioning from this section where he's talked all about Christ, and he's talked about you know, what happens to us when we put our faith in Christ. And he actually starts talking personally to the Colossians like, man, I am working hard for you guys. I'm doing all sorts of stuff so that you will like grow and, and mature, and all this great stuff will happen. And it's really an interesting passage, and so I, I actually struggle today trying to figure out how am I going to link this together. And so you'll see as we walk through how, how it plays out. But really what Paul's desiring is for them to, to have this focus on Christ. And we see Paul demonstrating in his life how these things are played out. How he's willing to work hard and to suffer. How he's going to proclaim. And how he's doing everything he can so that they'll mature and grow in Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about. And so I just invite you today, just as, as we walk through this passage, um, <clears throat> I, don't... Don't think of the things that we look at and talk about as, oh, I, I need to feel guilty about this. I'm not doing this enough, or I'm doing that enough. I want you to look at the opportunities that we have for these things to take place in our life as opportunities. To say that, man, God has so much for me, and if I, and if I have my life that truly reflects a focus on him, then, man, look at the benefits that I have. Look, look, look at what he'll do in me. Look at, look at this opportunity I have to get to know him. Look, look, at, look at I get to experience all that he has planned. I get to be a part of something incredible that he's doing in this world. And so I want you to think of, and I'll, I'll, I'll emphasize that as I go through, but you, I want you to think, if, if we have our, I want to paint a picture of, if we have our focus on Christ, some of these things are going to happen, and they're going to be hard, and it's going to be awesome. Because we're growing in this relationship with the God of the universe and we're seeing him do things in and through us. So what I'll do is, like I always do, I'll read the passage through once and then we'll, and then we'll walk through it more closely. So the main point is, hey, we want our focus to be on Christ. And as we do that, we're going to suffer for him, we're going to proclaim him, and we're going to grow in him. So here we go. We're in Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to chapter 2, verse 5. <laughs> Verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Okay, I'm going to pause. When I read this, 
I want you just to keep your eyes open for all the ways this focus on Christ is emphasized. You're going to see it pop up in a lot of different terms, a lot of different ideas. Think of this focus on Christ and this effort and this work to keep that attention or focus or to do things in that regard. So keep that in your mind as we read. Think of this focus on Christ and effort and work related to that. So here we go. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is." So you see that there's a lot of focus on Christ. There's a lot of effort. You see those themes just repeated multiple times in the passage. And so we're going to sort of walk through that. So what does it look like to have this focus on Christ? That he is the center. That our relationship with him is the focus. And what does that sort of play out like in our lives? Well the passage begins with a really tough verse. Okay, verse 24. This is a verse that people, you know, it's unusual on your first reading. He says, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Okay, so there's a bunch going on here in this verse. First of all, if you remember, Paul is not even in Colossians. He's never been to Colossians. He's never met any of these people personally. Paul is in Rome in a prison. So he's locked, he's chained. Like the, the book ends with, you know, remember me in my chains. That's the last verse in Colossians. So Paul is in a, you know, another place, locked up in a prison. And yet he says, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. So he's doing something for them on their behalf, even though he's a long way away. He says, I'm suffering for you. He says, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. You're like... Lacking in Christ's afflictions? What do you mean? What is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Didn't he die once and for all, for all sins, and sit down at the right hand of the Father? Didn't we just read earlier in Colossians that, that now we are without accusation, that we are holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation because of what he did on the cross for us? What other affliction is there? You know, what, is it, what, is, what is he talking about? And, and yes, all that is true. Christ's work is completely done. There is no more suffering of Christ to accomplish our sins. He is paid for the sin. This, this word actually is a different word that's always used. The word that's always used for Christ's suffering is the word suffering. This word is affliction. This actually refers more to hardship. And what, what Paul seems to be saying here is saying, he's saying, Look, I'm suffering for you and I'm filling up 
what is the, the afflictions that will take place for Christ's people, for his body, for his church. He says, I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. In other words, he's saying, look, for Christ's church to go forward, for Christ's purposes to be accomplished in the world, there is going to be hardship, there is going to be affliction, there is going to be things that are difficult along the way. And I'm honored to do my part. I'm honored to do my part. That's what he's saying. I mean, it, it, we, you read elsewhere in Scripture, you know, Paul talks about the godly will be persecuted. Jesus said, you know, servant's not greater than his master. What they did to you, they'll do to me. They hated me first, they're going to hate you too. So, so it's all in there, all throughout the Scriptures. Suffering is a, is a realistic thing if we follow Christ. And Paul says, look, I rejoice that I actually have the part to do this. I rejoice that I'm actually suffering for your good. Now we go, well, that, 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 that's way out there. That, that's way, way out there. Now, how many of you guys have ever done something that was really hard, and at the end you're like, yeah, I'm glad I did that? Right? You ever run a race, or, 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 or studied real hard for a test, or, or practiced real hard in a sport, or... You know, whatever. You developed a skill. You, you put in effort. And then when the, when, the, when the results came about, you're like, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. There's something different about something being accomplished when you have skin in the game. Right? If you've done something that costs you, if you've achieved something that, that really cost you and took effort, it led to some bruises and some scrapes and some sweat. Then when you finish, you're like, oh, yeah, I did that. I did that. I, 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 and my son-in-law and I are, are contemplating doing a triathlon sprint the day we arrive back in the country from Turkey um, in two weeks. We leave for Turkey on Tuesday. And it's sort of silly, um, but it's interesting. And so I hadn't, I hadn't swam since... I tried my first sprint, travel and sprint, back in the fall. And so on, on Wednesday morning, I went for a bike ride. I go for a bike ride one day a week. And I got back, and I'm like, hmm, I'm not going to have a chance to do any of this when I'm gone in Turkey for two weeks. So can, am I actually going to be able to do the triathlon sprint the morning I arrive back from Turkey? I haven't done this since, I don't know what, I don't know when it was in the fall, September or something. So I did the bike ride at five-something, and I got back, and I'm like, hmm, put on my running shoes, and I ran for five miles. I did 60 miles bike, five miles run, and then I went over the Y. Here's a little secret. You get three free passes to the Y a year. So I go into the Y, and they give me the free pass, and I go in and I swim, how many laps? I swam 20 laps at, 20 there and back, whatever. It was, I swam 1,000 meters, 1,000 yards. So I actually did more than the triathlon will require to make sure I could do it. And was I sore? Oh yeah! I mean the next day my arm, and the, it's like there's some weird muscle you use when you swim. I don't know where it is, but it's inside here somewhere. And I could, I could point it to you because it hurt. Both my knees were a little sore. But you know what? I was like, uh-huh. I just did a triathlon this morning, baby! 
And I'm going to try one when I get back. Now, I was like, yeah, I did that. It hurt. It still hurt the next day. My knee's still covering a little bit. But I was like, I did it. And that's what Paul's actually saying here. He's saying, I rejoice. I'm all in here. And I'm actually, I'm excited that I get to suffer for you. And I, I get to have skin in the game for you because I'm committed to this task of the gospel going forward. There's going to be suffering that's going to take place for this church of Christ, for this body of Christ. And they're going to take effort. They're going to take loss. They're going to take pain for the message of Christ to go forward. And I'm all in. And I'm all in, baby. And I'm all in ready to, to pay some price to make it happen. That's what he's saying. And that's what he invites us to say. That, that if we put Christ as our focus, sometimes we're going to have to add some things in our life that aren't normally there. Sometimes we're going to have to take out some things in our life that probably shouldn't be there. Sometimes we're going to have some, some, some relational tension and some pain because of the fact that we're putting Christ first. There are going to be impacts of making Christ our priority. If there aren't any impacts, if it has no relevance, if we don't ever sense any type of loss or any type of impact in our life, then we might want to question, is Christ actually the focus of our lives? I mean, honestly, honestly, if it doesn't have any impact, then do we have any skin in the game? And this reality of Christ, the knowledge of Christ going around the world, the, not, the, the people growing in their faith, us growing in our faith, that's a worthwhile pursuit. And as we pursue that, there will be some cost. So that's what Paul says first. You know, the, as, as, as we put our hope in Christ, we put our focus on Christ, the first thing is, we're going to suffer for him. It's going to look different ways in different places. But there will be costs involved. Because effort will be required. Okay? So the, ne the next thing we talk about here is if we pursue Christ, if he is our hope, if he's our focus, the next thing is we're going to proclaim him. We're going to talk about him. We're going to help people know about him. And when Paul, Paul had a very specific commission, we'll see here in verse 25, it says, Paul says, I, he's, he's picking back up on verse, you know, he, he started this in verse 23. He says, I've become a servant of the gospel. And he begins to pick it up here. He says, look, I have become its servant, in verse 25, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that's been hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what so Paul did, Paul had a unique place in history. Paul got to make clear and explicit the gospel message in a way that others hadn't fully understood before. We've talked about this before, the, the, the progress of revelation. That, that everything was not clear in the Old Testament, that it unfolded over time. In the Old Testament, when they, were, when they knew that there was a Messiah to come, when they were looking forward to this time when God would come and he would resolve the problem of sin for his people and they would have this, 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 this person who would come and would reign and rule. They didn't know the details of how that would happen or how it would play out. And when Jesus came, you know, he spoke of who he was and he identified himself with the Messiah, but he didn't make everything all clear. 
He talked about faith in him. But people were, all of his disciples still expected him to be the, the political ruler. They were expecting him to take over and actually kick out the Romans and be in charge. They didn't understand God's plan of how God's plan of salvation was going to roll out. That first this Messiah was going to come not as a king, but as a servant who's going to give his life. And that's why Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering servant. And so, so Paul, what he's saying here is that there was a mystery hidden for ages and generations about how God was going to work through Christ. He's like, and I get to tell it. That's the commission God gave me. It's to let people know that you don't have to become a Jew to become a person of God. You don't have to adopt a certain culture or certain ethnic norms to know God. No, God came in the man Jesus. And that through simple faith in him, we enter into a relationship with God. That's, that's good news. That's incredible news. Regardless of, of culture, of language, of history, of age or education, background, you are invited into a relationship with God through simple faith. And I love how he expresses it here. He says, to them, verse 27, God has made known among the Gentiles. The wording of this sentence is actually really awkward to understand. It would be easier if they put among the Gentiles at the end. But it says, I'm going to read it another way. He says, um, to them God has chosen to make known the glorious riches of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he's basically saying, look, this gospel message is not just simply for the Jews. This is what God is doing to make it available to all people of all times. And you know what he's offering? He's offering such a united connection with Christ that he's, it's like he's, he's Christ in you. And we've talked about this in Colossians, this identity with Christ, this forgiveness that, we gives, that, he, that he gives us. But this is incredible. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are so identified with Christ, it is as if he is in you. And he talks about here, talk about Christ is with you. And later on in chapter 3, Christ is your life. When your life is hidden with Christ in God. And you have all these images, all these illustrations, all saying you are united, you are identified, you are one with Christ. That's pretty amazing. Think about that. So, um, if you want to, you know, come, come into my house, you're, you're, you're typically, we need to invite you. You need to be, if you're a friend, we might invite you to come over and play games or hang out and have dinner. We might say, you need a place to stay, come over, stay in our house. You know, if you're one of our kids, you can come and go whenever you want to. You know the code to the garage door opener. You got the keys to the house. You have full access. You're all in. I want you to just think, think, think of that reality with God. Just as close as Christ is to the Father. You know, they are one. God says now we are identified with Christ. He sees us through Christ. We have this access to God. We have this unity with Christ through faith. Let that soak for a second. We get to tell people how to be 
in relationship with God. We get to tell people how they have a hope in this present life and for the hope for the future because Christ died for them and offers relationship and life for free. Okay? And so that's going to be a natural part of it. If our focus is on Christ, if we love him, if we're pursuing him, if we really believe that, if we're living that way, then we're probably going to let some folks know about that. Right? Like I, I, I did. I, I talked to Joe Ellis. I had, I, he's, I, had, I, I had coffee with Joe Ellis last week. And he was saying, hey, I want to teach my son chess. I said, a book I'm reading is called Ward Farnsworth, Predator at the Chessboard. You can see the pictures about my level of academic and intellectual expertise. The alligator with glasses and the lizard across the way and two other creatures I cannot identify. Um, and it talks about different attacks in chess and it just sort of explains just the logic of, of seeing and understanding things. He does a great job. So I'm like, oh, Joe, you've got to know about this book. I'm reading this book. This book is awesome. It'll really help and you'll have fun with your kids in it and it's, it's actually really helpful. I'm excited about chess. I like the book. I'm going to talk about it. Right? All I'm saying, j just think about it. If we're pursuing Christ, if our hope is in Christ, if our focus is in Christ, it's most likely going to come out of our mouths. Okay? Again, I, this is not a guilt thing. But there's actually something fun about being able to introduce people to Christ. There's something fun about letting people know how they can grow in their faith. There's something fun about letting someone know that, man, no matter where they've been, where they are, what they've been involved in, God wants to meet them right now. See, the danger with us is we can get caught up in all these fads and issues and crusades and all this kind of stuff that like, oh, I'm, there's injustice in the world, there's this in the world, and there's this in the world, and if these people act this way, we've got to stop this behavior, and we've got to be anti this and identified with this, and sure, okay, fine. But if my, most of my activity is not, is more focused on condemning sin as opposed to pointing people to Christ who forgives sin, then there's probably something wrong in my head. Let me say that again. If most of my concern, most of my emotion, most of my energy is about condemning other people because of what they do, as opposed to trying to introduce people to the one who forgives and covers and transforms us, then there may be something wrong with my mindset a little bit. Does that make sense? And so, they're, 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 we all have causes we believe in, whether they're good, you know, there's all sorts of causes, and we, and we are to put our energy into things. I have causes that I'm very, very focused, that I'm very committed to. And, Jesus is the solution for every problem and every cause. And apart from Jesus, there is not going to be a solution. And so, I want to be pointing people to Christ. So if my focus is on Christ, my heart is saying, man, it's tempting to get distracted. Like someone does these tricky moves in chess. Like they'll go up here and they'll move this piece and they make it look like they're about to attack you and you go, oh, I'm going to get that piece out of the way. And they come in the backside and like do checkmate. You're like, dang it, I missed it. I got so focused on your little distraction thing that I missed what you were doing. And sometimes we do that in life. We get so focused on all, all these other things that are important and good that we sort of lose our focus on actually pointing people 
to Christ. So if we keep our focus on Christ, we're going to see that there's, it may be hardship, we're going, to, we're going to put effort in our lives, and we're going to talk about Christ. We're going to proclaim him. The other thing we're talking about here is that we're going to grow in Christ as we keep our focus on him. And he talks about this. He, he talks about in verse 20. What was I can't? Man, I don't have my glasses this week. My eyes just went tired. 28. Okay. It says, he is the, ah, I got light here. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I lackadaisically can contemplate the possibility that I might one day do something towards the direction of intentionally, maybe indirectly, on my own efforts, affecting people. Right? That's a good verse. He says, no, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He says, man, I'm going to give effort towards helping people grow in their faith. There's people hearing about Christ. There's people one day standing before Christ, mature and complete. A life lived of fruitfulness in relationship with him. That's what he's saying, man, I work for that. And he goes to first chapter 2. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and enriched in love so they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, he said, man, what I want for you is to know Christ. And if you know him, if you're growing in him, I'm working towards that end. And if you've gotten that, the rest will fall in order. In fact, he's the source of all wisdom and knowledge. He is the one from whom all those other solutions, all those other things that, that take place in our lives all flow out of. The focus is Christ. He is our focus. And he ends, when, and there's obviously some issues going on in, in Colossians. We don't have any of these issues in our culture, right? He says, I tell you this so no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. You know, no one here makes arguments against Christ or the relevance in our lives or, or, you know, other ways to God. We don't have any of those issues here, right? We can skip that verse, right? Just, we don't know. He says, I want you to focus on Christ because you're going to be told all sorts of things. You're going to be told that he's not relevant, He's not worth your effort. He's certainly not worth suffering for. He's not worth trying to grow and mature and, and, and to pursue fully. Uh-uh. And in fact, he's irrelevant to today. He was someone who lived thousands of years ago and has nothing. And you think he, oh, knowledge, wisdom, Christ. That's what we hear. Don't bring your religion in here. Don't bring Christ in here. And we say, no, 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 no. Christ is my focus. I'm willing to work hard and to suffer to further him and his cause. I'm willing to talk about him and appoint people to him and his love and forgiveness so that he can transform people's lives. And I'm committed to work hard so that my life is transformed and I can help others grow in their relationship with him as well. And Ian's saying, hey, I'm absent with you in the body, but I'm present with you in spirit, and I'm excited. I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So today, that, that's it's the next section in Colossians. But it's also a call. 
for us to focus on Christ. Realizing it's a call that may cost us. It may, it may, it may take some suffering, it may take some hardship, it may take some effort, it may take some work, it may take some, some sweat and tears and blood and scrapes and bruises. But man, it's pretty exciting. It's really exciting when you see and experience the work of God in and through you. And we see that as we suffer, we see that as we proclaim him and share him. And we see that as we encourage one another to grow in him. And that's what he calls us to do. That's what Paul was trying to do um, with the believers in Colossians. From a prison a long, long way away. He's doing it through a letter. Doing it through prayers. Doing it through discipling people that he had led to faith in their hometown. That he invites them to disciple and sends them back. And he, he's doing everything he can from a prison to try to help the people in this city to grow. Let's be like the people in Colossians and, and do our part. Let's reach the, the spheres of influence in our community. Let's work together to encourage one another to grow. And let's see what God does in and through us as we keep him as our focus. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your many, many blessings and we confess that sometimes we get distracted by your blessings. We thank you for the freedom and comfort we enjoy in this country. And we confess to you that sometimes, man, we, we, we can let our focus be our own um, contentment or our own um, just enjoyment or fulfillment. Or, and we can just get distracted. And so, God, we, we, we thank you that you offer us a life that is anything but boring. You offer us a, a life of, of, of passion and effort and fruit. One in which we, we get to be a part of something eternally significant. And you invite us to be full participants, to engage, to suffer, to serve, to be intentional. You invite us to be a part of sharing who you are. And you invite us to grow in you and to bring others along and to do it together as a community. God, help us as a community. Even today, even in our conversations today, say, how can we grow? How can we encourage? How can we be intentional? How can we work in a way that honors you and enjoys the blessings of relationship and presence and guidance that you give. Help us to do this, keeping our eye on the King, on Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.